strange thing that I think that we all we all know about. And I just want to describe it a little bit, and I'm not trying to be a comedian at all, but I think that we all are going through it. Before Pesach, there is an enormous amount of pressure. There is so much freaking pressure. Let's talk about the different pressures that there are. First of all, for the women, I mean, I don't understand this, but they go crazy about cleaning. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You know, Rapam, my Rebbe, Zechotali Rapli, said, that whenever you're machmer about one thing, by definition, you're being makel or liberal about something else. It doesn't work that you can be strict about one thing without it having an effect on another side. So I grew up, I remember I grew up in a, in a world where my family, I mean, I, my family was really, was, my parents were Bali children, they were, I don't want to say moderate because my parents are very firm people, but I all around me I, I saw people that wouldn't buy ketchup. They wouldn't buy anything that was like I brought into my in-laws' house soda for the first time on Pesach. You know, there was no such thing. My parents, they did, they would squeeze. You'd buy a case of oranges, more than one case. And for Pesach, you'd squeeze the oranges. We never had soda in my family, ever. This was, this was the way it was. Now, the, the women, I mean, in Europe, it says in, in the Mishnah, it says in places, they used to, like, paint the entire, the whole house, and they have one room or whatever. They work so freaking hard. For some reason, for some reason, Pesach became spring cleaning. That, that's what happened. Now, the, the Mila, of course, is that we all know that there's a big issue to check for chametz and to look for chametz. And you'll read story about Sadiqim that they, like, you know, would spend hours in the Bidigas chametz. But here's the problem. All of that work that the women did, first of all, it, brought, it brings a tremendous amount of tension into the entire environment. At the same time, I don't want, I'm not saying that this is accurate. This is just an assumption on my part. I think a lot of, a lot of people like started going to hotel programs and other programs which were, are financially prohibitive and also, and also um, it's a different flavor for the holiday, but I think that that's a reaction to all that excess taking toothpicks and, and picking the, the ceiling with the toothpicks. It's not negating the women. The women are holy women for doing this stuff. It's just that, you know, it was a big deal. Then there's the pressure that the men are under. Now, that doesn't mean that women aren't working. Which, if they're working and they're doing this, then you're dealing with real pressure. <laughs> but the men are under the pressure. they got to make the money to be able to support this, this holiday. But on top of that... If you're working for a regular firm, if you're not, if you're not a Yeshua, a Rebbe or a Kolo person, then you've got to go to work every day, right? Like a regular job. And it's not like a, a month before, like the guys from Eretz Yisrael come back from, from the year, the gap year, because they're all home to help their parents, sure. But, uh, but, 
but but rather you're working all day in the public school system, right, Eddie? You're in the yeah. public school all day, and then you come home and you've got to work all night to do whatever you got to do. So the husbands they've got there, and the kids, everybody wants, and the pressures are just. And what about the finances? So this is not a plug to bingo because that would be not right. But I have to tell you, I went to bingo and I saved so much money. I saved so much freaking money. You know, the price, I'm not going to say which store in Queens, but let's just say that it was $2 a can of albacore in water in bingo, and here it was three ninety nine. That's a big difference. 50%. Uh, and it continued with everything, but even two nine, even even two nine, it, it's a tremendously expensive holiday. Tremendously expensive. Holiday. So the tensions are getting higher and higher and higher. It's, un- it's unbelievable. So therefore, and I myself experienced it this whole week. I I've been experiencing people, kids, and their parents. And everybody's out of control about being upset and angry and pressured and pressured and pressured and pressured and pressured. It's crazy. It's crazy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Rabbi, what is it the vodka cracked out on the, on the price? I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But that's not the point. That's not the point. Why not? Because I'm not involved. But it's the pressure. It's the pressure. It's the pressure. It's not the VODs issue, but it's the pre- it's the whole United States of everything, and this is a big problem. It's a bit it's a big problem. So therefore, the way that I see it, I had myself yesterday and and today, a number of times when I felt the internal blood pressure going up and everybody around me getting angry at everybody about everything, about nothing and everything, at the same time, you know, nothing and everything at the same time. So what I want to do, therefore, is teach over two Gemaras, which I think that this is the key in basically, if we could figure this out and actualize it, how to keep that temperature down. Because once that genie gets out of the bottle and the anger gets and you open your mouth, you know, somebody in the family, say, you say to somebody, can you get something? And they say... We're too busy. Now, they don't mean anything really. What they mean is that they're helping out their mother, father, or somebody else, right? And, 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 and then you feel too busy? Too busy? And then and it's just, you know what I mean? And it starts getting out once it's out. Oh, my God, it's so bad. And then you have to apologize. And you feel like, why am I apologizing? I didn't do anything. I'm apologizing. To who, what did I do? I didn't do anything. And then the other person says, you didn't do anything? I, what do you mean you didn't do anything? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, I know what I'm talking about. That there's a big monster. There used to be a commercial. I, I, we're not going to do it right now, but you can go afterwards. Go online. Go to YouTube and type in the, one of the best cartoons of the 1970s. The name of the cartoon is Katie Kaboom. Katie Kaboom is a teenage girl who looks like a very regular, attractive teenage girl until you tick her off. And then she becomes Katie Kaboom. 
it is really funny. And that's what you feel like when you when you watch it later, not now. So we're gonna go over two Gemaras which talk about the same issue. One is in your directly in your face about the issue, and the other one is really side of it's like on the side. It's about judging people favorably. See, if we could figure out, if we could really, really, really have it in our, in our head that when somebody is saying to you whatever they're saying, what they really are saying is that I'm stressed out and I can't handle it and my mother's making me crazy, my father is pulling me, my boss is this, right? It's coming out like, like you're an idiot for the way you're living and what you're doing, right? It's coming out like jabbing at you, but really the person is just saying, I'm overwhelmed, I'm over-exhausted, I'm tired. Rav Palm said to us that when you see people and they're not acting the way they usually act, we're not talking about when they act normally like this. If this is the way the person always is, they're constantly belligerent, they're constantly uh, pressure cookers that if you look at them the wrong way, they go nuts. If that's the way they are, so then that's a different issue. But if the people are not usually like that to this to this extreme, and all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden you didn't take out the garbage, or or the or or she or she says to you, could you do this? And you say, I will not do this right now because whatever it might be, then you have to assume that there's something else going on, and what's going on is the price of everything. The fact that Pesach is coming really quickly. It's coming, whether we like it or not. I mean, we should like it, but it's coming, and it's, it scares the bejugis, is that the word? It scares, it makes it very hard for people. So therefore, we learn two Gemaras about judging people favorably. Because I think that that's the key. If we could just sit back and say, you know, they don't, they're, they're good people. They're good people. And they don't usually act like this, or even if, or even if you don't know for sure much about them, they're not. That doesn't mean they're right for what they're doing. It's just <coughs> giving a perspective, so that we don't react, and it just gets out. It just gets nuclear. It gets nuclear really fast. I want to know: Is anybody here experiencing this, or is it just me? Is I, I'm the only one having this now with Pesach? <laughs> Pretty much. No. Definitely not the idea. Anybody I'll, else? I'll have it Sunday. You'll have it Sunday. Okay, says so preparation. Well, it manifests in very... Growing up, I did the home thing, I did this thing, I did the hotel thing, I did, I'm doing a hybrid thing. It's always there. It's always there. It's always there it's in always, different ways. That little monster genie, he's kicking out. He's kicking around over there. And you know he's going to get out. It's just a matter of how matter long... Of fact, every Pesach, I feel like I actually went out of Egypt. <laughs> and then I'm redeemed somewhere. So that's so simple. Okay, so we have two choices. <laughs> yeah. We could go straight... We can do the Gemara. We're going to do both, I believe. I'd like to do both. We could do the one which is straight in your face about judging people favorably. Or we could do the one which is a little bit sidestep first and then the one straight in your face. Which way do we go? Straight in your face. One straight in face? Sidestep. He wants sidestep. How many sidestep people? Whichever really like I'm going to sidestep. Right. I'm going to sidestep because then we can do one straight. Um, open if you can, if you're interested in following inside. You don't have to. 
these are really, I probably, you probably know this, these Gemaras because these are amongst my favorites. Like if I have, let's say, I'm going to make up a number. If I have 25 favorite Gemaras that if I was called on the spot, you know, like I'm walking down the street and all of a sudden somebody comes over and says, for $10 million, give a shear right now. That'll be a knockout. So I got my, I got my 25 Gemaras, you know what I mean? So this is this is this is one of them. By the way, nobody's ever asked me. You know, nobody, it's never happened. But it might just, happen. you never know. Never you know what I mean? You never know. You got to be prepared. Okay. So this is in Tainus on Daf Chaf Beis Ahmed Aleph, which is twenty-two A. Fascinating Gemara, actually. We're gonna go through it because I just love this Gemara. I love it. This is probably this is probably my favorite of all Gemaras. No, it's not about. Sitting on the going and and going into the bathroom after your Rebbe. No, it's not Azriel. That's not the Gemara. That's the one in Brachas. No, that's also one of my twenty-five. But this is this is a different Gemara, and it's not about Cleopatra asking about when Chiyas Hamesim comes. Will we come up with clothing on or not? That's not that one. That's also one of the twenty-five. That's the Sanhedrin. Okay, but that's not what it is. Okay. So the Gemara says like this, we are talking about line number two in the, in the big lines. Gemara says the last three words, Rav Broka Chozah, there's a person, his name is Broka, what, what is that? Rav Broka Chozah means visionary. He was a visionary. He saw things. Listen to the story about him. He used to hang out in a marketplace in an area of Israel called Devei Lefet. Okay, just telling you a fact. Obviously, when you're learning more Be'in, you're going to find out maybe it's the word Devei Lefet means something else. And in, in this, I don't know. But, but for now, we're going on a literal, tonight we're on a literal journey. So he used to hang out in the marketplace. It's very strange a little bit because you'd imagine a big tzaddik of his nature, which we're going to see in a second, would be sitting in the base medrash the whole time, and he's not. He's in the marketplace. Why? I think because you have to be a normal person. You have, we'll learn Gemara. That's one of the 25 Gemaras that a person has to learn and a person has to work, right? Well, we're not going to get off. We're going to stay on topic tonight because we've got to cover both Gemaras. So Elio used to hang with him. Now, what does that mean? So we have a tradition that there's a thing called Giloi Eliyahu. Giloi means the revelation of Elio. Elio was a Navi during the time of the prophets. If you learn Shmuel Beis, and I'm sorry, I think it's in Malachim Beis, Malachim Beis, You'll learn about Shmuel Elio Hanavi. Elio is the one who proclaims when Mashiach is coming. But we have a tradition that, first of all, when there's times of extreme danger or need, Elio sometimes reveals himself. I'm sure you've all heard stories about Elio Elio Hanavi coming. But there's also an idea that Elio sometimes visits a holy person for some reason. So over here, you have a strange phenomenon. This person is so holy, it's not that Eliyahu, he once saw Eliyahu Anavi, 
It says Shchir that Elio Hanavi is hanging with him all the time. Shchir means usual, that he was like a like a buddy walking down the street. That's ready now. You, somebody here is going to say, was he in the body form of really, you know, Elio, or was he just a spirit walking with the person? I don't know. But the Gemara says he was. He was like. That's who this person, maybe that's why he's called El- El- Broca, the visionary, because he was able to see Elio when Elio wasn't physical. I have no idea. Or maybe it means because he was able to see him, right? And that's so unusual. Maybe that's why he's called the Broca Chosa. One way or the other, he was seen. Amalek. So Broca says to Elio Hanavi, by the way, you, I taught you this already before once, right? Does anybody remember this? If you don't, then that's a good thing. That means it's time to teach it. Amale. So, Broca says to Elio Anavi, I got a question for you. Is there anybody in this marketplace that's going to be an Olam Haba? Bar Alma means a child of the future world. Is there anybody here? Are there any holy people here? Now, I have to make the assumption. I, I can't make an assumption. I was going to say that there are people that look religious, you know, but I don't know that. I don't know that because I don't know what was going on in this marketplace. But he's there, and he asks Elio, is there anybody here who's going to be in Olam Haba? Amalei Lo. He says, there's nobody here. Elio says, there's nobody here. This is nobody here. He's like the guy with the black shoes. Stop it, stop it, stop it. So he says, is there anybody here that's going to be in Olam Haba? He says, no. As time progressed, they kept on walking in this marketplace. So he saw. The broken Chosa saw. He saw this person. Who is wearing black shoes? Black shoes, bad. Tosa says on this. Rashi, I'm sorry. Rashi says on it. Um, we're talking about black shoes. Shalok Jews didn't wear black shoes then. I don't know why they wear black shoes. They, black shoes. Yeah. they didn't wear black shoes. Because it was when, normal for them to wear it. Whatever the reason. I'm saying, I don't know why, but they didn't wear black shoes. Like, I remember I was once thrown out of a certain yeshiva elementary school because I was wearing white sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted me to wear black shoes right. in this yeshiva. They wanted me to wear black shoes like... Then Gemara says over here <laughs> that this guy was wearing black shoes, which is a bad thing. He's wearing black shoes. Let me just finish this and we'll talk about that. He wasn't wearing scissors. So it's not only that he's he's dressing with elephant bell bottoms. Remember those? Yeah. Remember elephant yeah. bell bottoms? You, you don't know what that is. Yeah, elephant bell bottoms. There's a thing called a flare. Those are what everybody wears today. Flares became acceptable in society where it's not straight, but slightly, <laughs> right? I think, With. A little, I think we have. Do we yeah. wear those today? 
a little bit. But there's elephant bell bottoms, just like from the TV show, the 70s show, they're wearing these big things, you know. That's a non-Jewish type of a He's never been to your house. He doesn't it's know what I'm talking about. 60, Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. You don't know what I'm talking about. He doesn't know what I'm talking about. Jackson 5. Michael Jackson 5. Jackson 5. Yes. It's the equivalent yes. of having a mohawk. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like no, it's the idea of a non-Jewish, non-Jewish attire. It's the type of thing that the Rebbe in Taravidas would say, <laughs> Goy. You know what I mean? Oh, that, yeah. that, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> He's wearing something that is identifiably not... Okay, better than that. Better than that. Do you remember spiked... Uh, yeah. Spiked... Um, spiked bracelets. Bracelets? Yes. Anybody here? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like the classic guy. Okay, that's what we're talking. Yeah. We're talking... That's... That's what he's wearing. He's wearing he's wearing goyish clothing. And not only that, that's on the that's on the positive he's wearing something wrong. But not only that, he's wearing he's not wearing tits. It's not, it's not the guy who is like he's wearing I was gonna say something bad, so I'm not saying I'm careful. Because uh, I, I don't want you to have to cut things out. It's not the guy who's wearing an inappropriate type of t shirt. <laughs> it's okay. Dude, I, can't, I can't do that. You know what I mean? So imagine a guy's wearing that inappropriate, but he's got scissors on it. You know what I mean? I don't know. What do you do with that? You know what I'm saying? He's got both. But this guy over, you know, for, you don't understand. He doesn't. Let me explain to you what that means. Yeah. No. So so so, but this person is wearing nine. He's not wearing scissors, right? Yeah. So he's he's wrong on that. You're gonna cut that out, please. Thank you. He's a. Okay. So, 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 he's not wearing scissors. So that's like on the next, on the on the negative side, and he's wearing goyisha clothing. Okay, and the Gemara says so. He's wearing that. Amalei, he says, yeah, Amalei. So Elio says. Hi, by who? This is the guy. This is Joe Olamhaba. It's shocking. It's shocking. But he's the guy. He's not dressing like a Jew, right? And uh-huh. he's not, it's not like he's wearing Jewish attire, but whatever. That's not the case. He's mamish not dressing. Now, now, here's the thing. You have to know also that there's halachas about not dressing. Like a like a like a Jew, or rather dressing like a guy. There's halachas like that about that, and there's also halachas about dressing cross cross dressing. Okay, there are two different halachas in the puzzle. Transgender. No, hold on, we'll get there. So the halacha says like this: a man a man is not allowed to dress um, like a guy. So guys, guys, guys. It's a pasuk which says, in their ways you can't go. So the halacha in Yeridea, it's brought down. What that means is, if you have, if you have a non-Jewish custom when it comes to clothing or haircuts or something, which has a, a purpose, and I'll give an example. So then you're allowed to wear those clothing. You're allowed to. So an example, doctors wear white um, 
Lab coats. That identifies them as a doctor. You're allowed to do that. There's a purpose to the attire. It's not a fad. Fads, on the other hand, fall into the category of not going in the way of the guy. Now the question is, and, and there's lots of responses about this, what defines a fad? When does a fad become regular clothing? When doesn't it? And there's a lot of discussion about this. But that's one element. Second element, and therefore, by Hasidim, here, Ashka, in, in the American world, we're not talking, in the American world, in Western world, a male has a, has a, has a shirt that the button is on the right side and the hole is on the left side, right? By the Hasidim, because they do not want to dress the same as Goyim. My brother has a shirt company, and now we're plugging shirts. <laughs> it's called Adonis, a very fine shirt. Very, very good quality, if you'd like to feel <laughs> Anyway, um, he started making shirts for Hasidim. They're the opposite. The button is on the left side, the hole is on the right side, not to go the same way. Now, when it comes, another halacha in this category is getting haircuts. And one of the things that it mentions in the Shulchan Aruch is that you're not allowed to, again, same idea, to get a haircut, which is a fad, whatever that, however that's defined. And one of the ways it says is, is what we would call a mushroom, where you have a shave on the lower part of the back of your head, which goes straight across. It's, it's clearly the way it's described. It's a mushroom haircut. But I, that's what they call it, maybe a mullet. It's not a mullet, it's a mushroom. But whatever it might be, there's halacha about this. By the way, there's also halacha of, of cross-dressing. A man is not allowed to dress in a woman's clothing, and a woman is not allowed to dress in a man's clothing. Somebody's going to say to me, what about on Purim, when men dress like women, something, whatever. So that's not so posh. And even if you're allowed to, you're not supposed to dress entirely. And you know what I mean? You have to be identifiably male if you're male. But that's just an issue. So what's going on over here, just be aware, he's dressing like a non-Jew. That's not allowed. Just just to let you know. Anybody have any questions about that? We'll go further. Yeah, I saw I saw the... Not particularly about that, but... It, the whole thing bothers. The, the buttons on the opposite side of the shirt, that's kind of ironic. Because women that's the women, right. Women so that's the question. No, no, no. no. So here's the question. It's a very, well, so dead people. It's an interesting question. Yeah, when they put the kids so, so it's the opposite so way. way. It's, no, a kapata is the other way. It's the, the opposite way. way. It's the other way. Anytime I wear a kapata, it's uh-huh. buttoned the other way. So you're, he's asking a different question. What happens when you have a conflict where uh-huh. if you go by the secular, the secular way, you're dressing like the male what? in the secular way. But if you go the Hasidic way, then you're dressing like the woman's thing. So what takes over? I don't know. But that's an interesting topic, which my son, why don't we bother Avi this Shabbos and make him crazy about this question that's really bothering us. Is it better to dress trans or is it better to dress goy? Okay, that'll be Avi's question. And that would be a very, very, I could see that to be the the sheer for Shavuos night. Rabbi, how do you explain with Hasidim adopting the dress of Polish nobility? That's a different question, but not for now. That, has to do with, that is fine, because that. they were, that's what it is. I never when I that. wear my kapata, the kapata yeah. is called a Prince Albert riding coat. The uh, reason that it was what happened in Russia at the turn that. of this, at the, during the czar, the last czar, the Jews were not, 
Hello, Mr. Matzah. So uh, during the, how's everything, seriously? Uh, not Matzah, Kreindler, I, I know. So during the time, we're not going to get off on this because that's a dangerous topic, but not dangerous, it's not a dangerous topic, it's dangerous to get off. But since I mentioned it, the Jews in Russia were not allowed to learn. They weren't allowed to learn, so they would go into the forest and they would learn in the forest and the way in Russia, they used to wear a Prince Albert riding coat with a split in the back. That is what a kapata is. So the this they decided. So it was a survival mechanism. Um, it was used as a survival mechanism in, in the kapata business, not in the bekasha. Bekasha is not split, but it was then considered a a, a clothing of 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 honor. And what the the strimal just for the heck since you brought it up. Since he brought it up, I have to answer because he brought it up. I know lots of trivia. I don't know really knowledge. <laughs> I know lots of trivia. I was told so, by your daughters, never play trivia against yeah, so, you. <laughs> never. So in the Middle Ages, there was a thing called the dunce cap, right? We know what a dunce cap oh, is. But it was made in order. It was made for many reasons. But one of the things was Jews had to do things that would make them look stupid or identifiably whatever, and one of the things that they did in the Hungarian-Polish area, I don't know if it was Hungarian Poland, they had to wear a hat which had 13 tails of an animal. So the Hasidim said, the Jews said, we're not going to do that. We're going to wear a hat with 26 tails. And the Strymel has 26 tails. That's what it is. So there's a lot of stuff in really? the history, yeah. That's so there's stuff, there's 26. So there's a lot of stuff there, but we're not going to get caught up into that, and I have no problem with it. Let's go further here. So anyway, he says, he says, hi, uh, this is the Job. The old, 26 as in? UK Vavke, but that's, okay. not the, that's not the reason. They might tell you that's the reason today, but that's not the source of it. But it doesn't matter. You know why? Because it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> and because if you if it's in your custom, you know, it's not in my tradition, so that's why I don't wear it. Amale Haibar Asi. So he said, this guy, this person, it's Big Day Shabbos is what it really is. He said, this guy, this is all Mahabad man. So Rod Basre. So it says he ran after him. This great broker Jose ran after this Jew who's dressed in a way which is obviously not the way we expect. So Broca says to this person, what do you do? Now, I imagine he asked that question because he wanted to learn from him. You know, not he was just nosy. I can't imagine that that was his reasoning. He says, come back tomorrow. There, again, it's a strange thing for a person because I don't, I mean, he, he might not have known that this is Broca Jose, the great, the great Broca, because they didn't have videotapes, pictures, you know, like they didn't have all that. One second, it's my daughter. Nearly, I'm giving a share. Can I call you that? You know, so I don't know that he knew that this was that this was a great person. One second. Yes, Brian Mira. But, but to tell a person he obviously looked like a sage, he had a beard, I guess. 
It's a strange thing to say, come back tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. So what do you think? What do you think? He came back the next day. He came back because he was a tzaddik. Broker wanted to know what was going on. He comes back. So he says uh, to this person, so what do you do? I'm a warden. I'm a prison warden. Usually not the, uh, the most refined jobs in the world. I don't know how many people have dealt with jail people. The police are, you know, like I love the police because they protect. There are there's some bad police, but by and large, the police are good people. I would say, I mean, overwhelmingly good people. Prison guards are also good people. We need prison guards, but a rougher population. A rougher population, you know? Well, this is what he does. He says, Ba'ashana Davri Luchud, I keep the men in one room, Benoshi Luchud, and I keep the women in another room. I divide them up. Uramina Parayo bin Hani Lahani, and I put my mattress, I sleep between the two rooms. So that there's no. I'm going to use a funny word because I'm in the mood. There's no hanky-panky going on. You remember that word, hanky-panky? Nobody here ever used that word. When did you use that word last? Okay, (laughs) so the bottom line is that's what he does. That's like an amazing thing. So he's keeping the Jews and the, the men and the women apart. It's amazing. And then he says, Listen to these words. So they're very sweet words. I mean, whatever. He says, when I see a Jewish woman, that the non-Jews are raising their eyes to, which means that they're interested a little bit, right? They're raising their eyes. I put myself at risk and I, and I save her. And then the Gemara says, how? You, Machad, he goes in detail and he says, it once happened, there was a, an engaged Jewish woman who was in the prison. And the Goyim uh, were raising their eyes at her. So I took a flask of wine. And I threw some of the sediment on the bottom of the wine onto her clothing. And I made an announcement. She's having her period, guys. So you got to keep away. She's having her period. So he's saving people. He's saving people. So because he's saving people, we understand why he's an Olam Haba person. But Broker Chozo had a question, which we all want to know. He said, Amaleva, my time, Leslie Chuti, why aren't you wearing tzitzis? 
You guys see this. You went to yeshiva when the Rebbe asked you, but why aren't you wearing tzitzis? You understand? You got Olam Haba because you're saving the Jew, the women. You're, you're dividing them up from doing sins. You're unbelievable. Per- but why can't you wear the tzitzis? Right? The Ramis Misane Ukmi. And why are you wearing the black shoes? Why are you doing this? In other words, I understand that you're a good man for what you do, but can't you just wear the capata? Like, can't you just put on, you can't like you get a, a haircut? Why do you have like to have a, a chup yeah. sticking out of your head that the, everything is the chup? The chup, do you know what a chup is? That's the big The chup is what rabbis get focused on in yeshivas. Yes. Am I wrong? Yes, <laughs> you're right. The chup. You don't have a chup. I always had a chup. Do you know a chup? I used to. <laughs> the chup. So what I do, <laughs> I all my guys who come to my program, I tell them they have to grow longer hair. Their hair is too short. <laughs> I say to them, listen, guys, let's be real. You're 16 years old. You got another 15 years, and you're gonna be bald. <laughs> so most of you. So grow it now. Let's get that chup growing already. Where the hell is your hair? <laughs> you know. What's going on? It's like the font. What's going on? Now, the truth is that today, in today's society, people, by and large, they're not growing long hair like Yanni. Remember Yanni? Yeah, in the 70s. It's not Yanni with his long mane. Do you know who Yanni is? Yes. I feel so bad. Half the people, they don't know who Yanni is. Okay, Yanni is a Greek musician. I think he was Greek, right? He's married to Linda Evans, I believe. Who? I I didn't think that's, yes. that's who he's married to? He was, I think. I didn't know that. This is, this is You know who led okay. that. I don't know. It doesn't Dynasty, matter. But the point over here was that he, you know, he, so he says to him, why, why, why don't you, like, dress like a Jew? So Amale, so he says, I, my life, I live amongst the non-Jews. Kihecha de loleda de yudana. I don't want them to know I'm Jewish. Why not? Because this way, if there's a decree against the Jews, I quickly run to the rabbis. And then they go, they pray, and they, they, just, and they get rid of the bad decree. Meaning, he's a spy. That's what he's saying. I live amongst the non-Jews. I can't allow myself to be exposed. That's my reasoning. Yanni. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm Yanni. Okay. Oh, my timer. Okay, put it down. Put it down. It's like fifth grade. I'm in fifth grade again. Oh, my timer. And why was it, when I said to you, what do you do? And, and, and you said, come back tomorrow. What was the reason? And the guy said, because at that moment, the, 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 jail, the jail people, the non-Jews, they were making an evil decree, and I had to run. That's where I was going. This Gemara, to me, is one of the most amazing Gemaras. You're walking through the streets. You're seeing everybody who, they even look good. I'm sure that they, some of them look good. But they're not getting old. They're not the Olam person. Because nobody knows what's going on in another person's life. Nobody knows what's happening in another person's life. We men will never understand women, and women will never really understand us.
according to that, that's not that's not PC, because according to PC, everybody's the same, basically, right? I guess I don't know, but when Pesach comes, it's very hard. We have to try to understand what everybody's going through. In life, we have to try to understand. Kids are having a hard time. They're having a hard time. They're in classes. Imagine a kid is sitting in class all day, and he has a Rebbe, and he's not getting any attention. I was a goody-goody. I wasn't the nerd. I was a goody-goody in school. I, I wasn't the troublemaker. My ninth grade Rebbe, I'll never forget this. I ended up having a good relationship with him for years afterwards. Now he's already an older man. And I don't really have to, we don't spend time with each other. But he wrote me an apology letter for not giving me any attention because I wasn't the troublemaker. He, I, he wrote me a letter. In those days, people wrote letters, you know. But he wrote me a letter, and he said, I really apologize for not spending any time. Because I wasn't a troublemaker, so therefore I got no attention. Is that right? Is that right? No, it's not right. Should I be upset with, my, with the Rebbe because of that? No, because we have to understand where he's coming from, what is going on, the pressures that he has. The pressures are enormous. So I feel a little bit bad knowing where I'm coming from. That I wanted to do the other Gemara, but I don't know. It's ten of. Oh, this is the famous Shabbos Gemara. No, no, stop it. This is not. This is this is the Shabbos Gemara, which is about judging people favorably. But it's ten of eleven, so I don't know if we have time. A half hour. It's up to you. I don't know. Tell me, guys. Be honest. Twenty minutes. Do we have twenty minutes? Do we have 20 yeah, minutes? Yeah, yeah. Are you sure? I'm good yeah. with it. Go with it, baby. Here we go. We're entering deep ocean now. This is it. This All is right. deep ocean. Listen to this, Gamar. I'm going to read it quickly, because, and we'll get to who these people were. Rav Palm told, told me, told us an amazing word on this, and you're going to never forget this. The Gamar says, I'll start reading quickly. It's on Shabbos, page Kuf Zion. Ahmed Bey's, which is 127B. Okay? The Gemara says like this. I'll read it to you quickly because I don't want to spend the time and then we'll, we'll, we'll suck out the marrow afterwards. Tanur Abanan, the rabbis learned. Oh, just in the nick of time. Tanur Abanan, the rabbis learned. Hadon Chavera Lekafschos, that if you judge your friend favorably, then God judges you favorably. It's Everything is a mirror. The way you act is the way you get it back. So if you judge somebody favorably, you're going to be judged favorably. I want you to keep that in your mind, that one line, and then at the end when I tell you who, the, the, who this person was, because it's not identified in the Gemara, and then I'll tell you what Rapam said, and it fits in like a glove. Umaisa. And there's a story. It's about one person. By the way, this person at that time was not a big Talmud Chacham. He went from the northern part of the Galilee. Northern Galilee is like the area of Tzvat. That's the northern part of the, Gal- of the Galilee. And he went to work by somebody in the southern part of Israel, which is the Jerusalem area. So this were the Beersheba area. 
So he's going from the north of Israel to the south of Israel for three years. Now, it's important to know, I will give you a little hint. The person who he was working by was Eliezer ben Hyrcanus. Eliezer ben Hyrcanus, we had one, one week, a couple weeks ago, we learned about him. He was the one who was 28 years old when he became religious. I mean, when he became, he didn't know Alphase until 28 years old. He was a massive landowner. He was fabulously wealthy. Okay? Let's keep that in mind. So he worked by, he went to work by him for three years. During these three years, he didn't take any money. Why? He was probably getting paid to live there. You know, like when you go in a Pesach program as a, uh, a counselor, you know, they pay for your food, they pay for whatever, your upkeep. <coughs> but they were saving the money for when he goes back home. Erev Yom Kippur. Right? It's Erev Yom Kippur. And he goes to his boss. And he asks him a legitimate thing. And he says, Please, can I have this, the, the, my money, my salary? I want to go home for the for Yom Kippur and for the, you know, for Sukkot and Simba's Tar and everything. And I want to be able to come home. I worked for three years. And I want to be able to come home, buy my wife some jewelry maybe, buy, some, buy a baseball glove for the kids. You know what I mean? I'm a little Ainley. Ainley Moss, the guy says, I have no money. Now, I don't know if you've ever worked for somebody that didn't pay you. Okay? It's very difficult. Especially when you know that this person is fabulously wealthy, as we'll see here. And he says he can't pay you. Some of us might even get a little bit upset. You worked for three years. Three years is a long time. And now he's got to go home. Okay? Now, the wife might be even a little bit upset. Maybe not. <laughs> how long were you in Iraq for? How, how long? You show up at home without the salary. Not good. Amolo. So he said, okay, you have no money. Amolo. So this worker says, Taily Peros. So let me have Peros. You know, if you give me enough produce from the fields that this man owned, so then what could he do? He could, he could then go and sell it in the open market quickly, right? He could go and sell it and he'll get cash. Because it's a it's a it's a perishable object. You can always, if somebody would give you ten thousand bushels of potato, you know, bags of potatoes, you could bring it to the Bronx market and you could sell it immediately. You might have to lower the price, but you'd get rid of it. Amalo Ainley, the guy says, I don't have any. Again, remember, he's got all these fields around. So he says, okay, Tainley Karka, how about a little real estate? Give me some land. Land, you could always a guy, you know, if you have, if you got, if you got a deed on property, you can get a loan. You could use it for collateral, right? You can always do something. Ainley, I don't have any. Tainley Behema, give me some livestock. You see, we don't think about bulls or animals as being valuable or how expensive they are. How heavy is your typical 
uh, longhorn um, bull. How heavy? What do they weigh? Anybody here? Two thousand pounds, you say? Okay, let's do a quickie. One second. Who's looking it up? What is the average weight of a steer? According to Farm Credit of the Virginias, on average, these animals will weigh approximately one thousand two hundred to one thousand three hundred pounds. Though this weight will vary. Anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 pounds, and rarely more or less. Okay, so 1,500 pounds, right? How much is how much is meat valued at? How much are you guys paying for meat right now? The cheaper meat is uh, cho- is chopped meat is pretty cheap compared to flanken. So let's go with chopped meat. How much is chopped meat? Like 25, 30 dollars. No, no, chopped meat. 8.99 a pound. Okay. So eight, let's say, so let's say, let's make it easy. Five dollars a pound. Let's make believe, right? So you're talking about seventy-five hundred dollars an animal just for the meat, right? That's it's not true because you have steak, you have tongue, you have, you have my favorite, which is sweet bread, which is not the brain. It's pituitary it's glands. Thalamus, right? Huh? I it's thalamus. No, it's right over here. Pituitary. As far as I understand, but if I'm wrong, check me out. I don't know. Okay. The guy says he's got no animals, but the animals are walking around. Okay. Ainley. Tainley Corn Vakisos. Okay. We're sitting on the in a room with tables and chairs and everything else. So let me have all of your, you know, your couches and you know your furnishings. Ainley. The next line for those people who remember the little rascals. Anybody here remember the little rascals? Yeah, you remember the little rascals. He threw his clothing behind him, like on the stick that Spanky had that he would throw behind him. And he walks home. All depressed. You can imagine what happens when he gets home. The wife and the kids say, oh, he's home. Wow, we missed you three years. You know, where's all the things that you were going to bring? My boss had no money to pay me. Hard argument. Hard, hard argument. Now listen what happens. The Akhar Regal, after the holiday, we're halfway through. The Akhar Regal... After the holiday, so the owner, the boss, went and he he gathered all of the this man's money. Doesn't say his name. Notice that doesn't say his name. Gathers all the money. And he also brings three animals worth of uh, of, of presents. One is food, one is drink, and one is just general Magadim, which means like cook, cake, cookies and candies. He comes with like a whole thing of, of money and that he's going to pay him. And he goes, and he goes to this man's house. First of all, most of us would not let the boss into the house. But he does. And they eat and they drink and they talk. And he pays the debt that he has, the three years of labor. Amr So the boss says, I have a question for you. 
When I, you said to me, please pay me my salary. And I, I said, I have no cash. What were you thinking about me? What did you think? So Amarti, so this man said, I thought, Shema Prakmatia Bazel Nizdami Lafilakafta Bahem. I thought maybe you're cash poor, cash broke, because there was a deal that needed a lot of cash. So you took all the cash that you had and you bought whatever the object was, and therefore you really didn't have the cash. And when you said to me, let me have some of the livestock, and I said, I don't have any animals, what were you thinking? So he thought, so he says, I thought that maybe they were collateralized in the hands of other people. And as he had used the, the livestock already as a, for the purpose of, 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 of having ability to buy things. And therefore, there was like a lien against the uh, the cattle, so he couldn't use them. Okay. And when I said to you, let me have property, what did you think? So he says, I thought that maybe they were already rented out, even though they were the, the land was already rented out to other people, so therefore, you couldn't give it away. And when you said to me, let me have fruit, and I see all the fruit around, so he said... I thought maybe you hadn't taken and given miser yet from it. And Allah is that you're not allowed to sell something or give something to somebody if the miser had not been given. And when you said to me, let me have your furnishings, what were you thinking? So he said, Shema I thought that maybe everything and all my all of my objects. Maybe I just gave them over to the base on Mikdash. Maybe I just consecrate, I give everything away just that moment. Amalei, so the man said, It's exactly what happened. I gave everything away to the base on Mikdash, because I have a son, and my son suffers from an, a, a disease that in the year 2023, many of us know people like it. It's called entitlement. My son doesn't want to study. He doesn't want to learn. He just knows that I have feels and I have a lot of money and a lot of property. And therefore, he doesn't want to do anything because he has a benish, a little who he didn't want to learn because he didn't feel that he, you know, saying not do anything, he's just going to become wealthy. So therefore, this person said he went to his his chaverim in. So he made a nether that he gave it all away. So now we'll see what what you're going to do with your life. That that's what he was. That's what he was thinking. But he went to Yushalayim in the south in order to be matu nether to remove the nether. So this way he would regain ownership. Comes a line, just like you judged me favorably. God should judge you favorably. Okay, so this person, the owner of the bill, or the owner whose name was Eliezer ben Herkinus, he goes and he gives a bracha to this individual that just like this individual judged him. And gave him a kafsos, the benefit of the doubt. God should give him the God should give this man the benefit of the doubt. Who was this person? So 
the Shiltus, Shiltus is a commentary on the bottom here, says that this was Rabbi Akiva before he became Rabbi Akiva. This was Rabbi Akiva, but he wasn't Rabbi Akiva. At this time, he was an ignorant person that didn't know how to read, didn't know anything, but he had such mido, such perfection. And that, Rav Palm said, that it could be that this was the story which gave Rabbi Akiva ben Yosef the ability to become the great Rabbi Akiva. This story. By judging him favorably in a case which the nobody would nobody everybody would say what kind of rat, what kind of bum hires somebody and doesn't pay him when he has the money around. And this guy, Akiva Ben Yosef, is able to see and give a person a benefit of the doubt. Palm said, maybe that's what caused Rabbi Akiva to become the great Rabbi Akiva. So I think that we have to figure out ways that when we have so much pressure, so much pressure, we have to know to try to put ourselves in there, you know, try to find a way to judge the people favorably. Do you think that that's a good, good way to stop this pressure cooker? Honestly, because I've been thinking about this. You can turn it off. Turn it off. Don't, don't, don't. But what do you guys think? Is it realistic? It's hard. It's hard. But I think I don't see any other way. Anybody ever owe you money and not pay you? It's a big deal. Um, what's going on with the food? I just 